0: Well good morning dear friends uh, in Citygate. So wish we could physically, Heather and I could physically be with you to greet so many old friends and say hi and we love this church, given much of our life to it, we love its leaders, we're excited about your future and are praying for you. And as I was reflecting on what to bring this morning, I was reminded of the early chapters of Lord of the Rings when the hobbits want to leave the world as it were. They hear news of the black riders riding forth, bringing destruction, and they want their world to remain the same and are told in no uncertain terms that evil will find them. And theirs is a quest to destroy the work of the evil one. And so this message this morning is a reminder and an encouragement to every single one of us that there is, we have authority Christ risen authority to bring a kingdom and to destroy the works of the evil one and that what lies ahead of us are huge challenges, but ones in which we will prevail and we will overcome. So I want to address everybody. I wonder if you this morning are feeling fearful, if you're worried about your job, worried about what it's going to mean after the furlough scheme comes to an end, wondering about the economy. I wonder if you've lost confidence in the government, lost confidence in the NHS, lost confidence in scientists who predict this and then change their minds. I wonder if you've been caught up with all the Christian conspiracy theories that this is really Bill Gates injecting microchips with the number 666 into our bloodstreams and we are all being indoctrinated by the devil. I wonder if you are... Nervous, if you have questions, if you are fearful this morning, well, this is a message for you because the bigger question that we should be asking every believer should be asking is, What is God doing? What is God doing in the world today? And my suggestion to you this morning is, God is ruling and reigning and bringing about something for his glory in the midst of all the suffering, all the work of the evil one. You see, what we're witnessing is what happens when mankind takes control of the world and rejects God. It plunges this world into war. It plunges this world into chaos. It plunges and opens the door to all manner of. Of evil and suffering and death. Well, the good news is that history is moving not in cycles, forever ending cycles, but it's moving towards a great finale. And in that great finale, Christ returns for a glorious church. And if we learn anything from church history, we understand this very simple principle that after moments of great crisis in the world, often come great times of renewal and revival for the church. And that's how I want you to pray. That's how I want you to think this morning. Mark Sayers says, as cultural Christianity washes away, a blank canvas is appearing with the possibility of a new story written upon it. So I want to encourage you right at the outset of this message is to take, as it were, a spiritual paintbrush and start to paint on that canvas, that blank canvas, what you have hoped for all your life, what you're believing for in God all your life, what you can see as the possibilities of the church in this next future generation. And so let's just take a pause. I want you to turn to Ephesians 4, a passage which in the early days of New Frontiers became a restoration passage that renewed us and encouraged us and excited us, and I want you to get your Bibles. I want you to open, read Ephesians 4, 7 to 16. And I'm going to look at some areas where I believe God wants to bring restoration. The first area of restoration I want you to see from this passage is restoring our first love. This is the primary thing. This is the most important thing in the four areas we'll look at. It says here in verse 10, he who descended, that's Christ, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Paul, when he begins his letter to Ephesians, it's, it's an incredible anthem of wonderful praise, worship, awe. You almost, you almost can't catch his breath he so wants to pour out his adoration and worship to this awesome God. And within the, those first few verses, so many incredibly deep theologies spring from those verses in terms of God's adoption, God's predestination, there are God's greatness, God's gospel, God's love. It's, it's just whew, God's grace. It's, it's just awesome. And uh, I guess... When we think about our choices, what happens next? What are we going to make choices? We need to firstly go back to God's choice. God chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us. In 1976, I fell in love with Heather Bailey, who became Heather Miller. But in 1976, I also gave my life to Jesus Christ and two great love stories began. And the greater love story is that Christ found me or I found Christ. But actually, the love story didn't begin then, says Paul. The love story began in eternity past, before A daisy appeared on planet Earth before the first dolphins and whales frog in the waves before the first sunset or sunrise. God set his love upon Guy Miller. He set his love upon you if you're a child of his this morning and he loves you. He wants your heart. He wants your devotion. He wants your adoration. And when I became a Christian, I went nuts. I I, I used to have stickers on my exercise books. I used to give in for my A-levels with Smile Jesus Loves You for the teacher. I used to want to tell my friends, stop classes to tell people that God loves them and that God created this world, not evolution and chance. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassing. But I was in love. I couldn't get enough of God. I wanted to read his Bible. I wanted to go to church three, four, five times a week because I wanted to know more about him and enjoy him. But that first love needs to be fought for and rekindled. We know, in Revelation, God challenges his church. You've forsaken your first love. They were doing good things, the church, but they had put God in a box. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says every generation of Christians grows up with this challenge of wanting to put God in a box. And A.W. Tozer said the What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that this morning. What do you think about when I say the word God? Is God just something a little bit better, a little bit cleverer, a little bit more holy than you? Or does he just take your breath away? Do you fall on your knees and exclaim that he is awesome? In Exodus 32, we read about the children of Israel complaining about Moses being away and said to Aaron, make us a God in the the shape of Egypt. And so Aaron took their gold and cast it into a golden calf and said to them, how do you want God? I believe cultural Christianity we've grown up with has so weakened our understanding and our imagination of Almighty God. And God wants to restore our worship. He wants to restore our first love. He wants us to restore our worship that we fall on our knees often and say how awesome and wonderful he is. The second area of restoration is to restore the gospel. It says in verse nine, He he ascended means that he is also the one who descended to the lower earthly regions. Christ, this is talking about, became man. Christ descended to, to earth. He descended into a grave. He descended into the lower realms in order to bring about release from captivity. The glorious gospel that Paul preaches says, I want to remind you, What is of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and he appeared to Peter and then to the 12. Paul wanted to underline this restoration principle that the gospel We need to be thrilled with the gospel. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel. We need to remind ourselves that the one who fills the whole universe, the one who is so awesome, so unknowable, so omnipotent and all powerful is the one who contracted himself to a span, became flesh and blood in order to taste our humanity and be the second Adam to to make a choice to not disobey, but to obey God. And through his wonderful obedience to a cross, to a death and to his resurrection, we who are lost, we who were dead in our trespasses and sins can know forgiveness, can know life that God himself brings through this powerful Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If you've never believed on Jesus, this is a moment on this Sunday to just pause the video and maybe pray. Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me? But for every single one of us who is a Christian, I want to challenge us. Is the gospel exciting to you? Are these verses life to you? Or are you caught up in a lifestyle which is a worldly lifestyle where actually you you, you don't often remind yourself that you're a sinner? You don't daily repent of your willfulness, your sinfulness, your greed, your pride, your arrogance and, and come before a cross. And confess. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The cross and the gospel need to thrill us. It needs to be good news to us if it's ever going to be good news to the world out there. And when I think about the world out there, let me just remind you one statistic. 70% of the UK said they have no intention of ever going to a place of worship. Therefore, city There's no point having a beautiful building. There's no point having a fantastic worship band and fantastic preachers and a great welcome and a great cup of coffee. If 70% of Bournemouth are not going to come into the doors, we need to take the gospel to them. In small groups, in little communities, in, in sites, in new opportunities in Southwell, we need to go to where people are. And we've had this wonderful opportunity in lockdown. And Heather's just going to tell you, in a couple of minute testimony, what we've seen God do, he went with Avenue during lockdown.
1: It's our conviction increasingly that not just inviting people to church, we must increasingly be being the church to people and going to the people. And uh, we've been in Bournemouth for virtually the whole of the five min- months since uh, the coronavirus crisis started. And it was a great delight in the early days to have our first on the street Service. Uh, it was organised by an, a re- retired Anglican uh, minister across the road, and we attracted probably thirty people. All socially distanced, sang Amazing Grace and heard um, some prayers uh, on the Pentecost Sunday. Guy and I were actually asked to do the service, and we had uh, probably more people—forty plus people—for that. And then finally, on the seventy-two year anniversary of um, the National Health Service, we had yet another service on the streets. And uh, for 50 probably people were there for that. And the comments afterwards were quite insightful. People really feeling a touch from God and wondering what it was that was going on. Um, so it was a very exciting thing for us to do that and to be involved in our community again. And an encouragement for us all to think of different ways to get out of the church walls.
0: So restoration area number three is we need to see a restoration of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.11 said it was Christ, the risen Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. What for? To prepare God's people, that's the local church, for the work of service so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up. The risen Jesus Christ gave gifts to his church, not for a title, not for prominence, not that one gift is more important than the other. He gave these gifts in order to see the church become mature. Every local church serving its local town, its local community, deeply involved being Jesus Christ to that world. And in order for that to happen, Jesus has to bring in master builders, apostles and evangelists and prophets and teachers and pastors. They're there not to put on a platform, but they're there to help us to become Christ-like, help to build us together to a mission, help us to be a body, the body of Jesus to our town like Bournemouth. And I believe I've witnessed in the last 10, 20 years, monster churches being built. The church of the one eye, a church which is just renowned for its prophetic gifting or for its end time theology. Well, how about the Church of the Big Mouth? People come in their hundreds, if they're not, their thousands to listen to people who can speak so eloquently and so wisely and so amazingly that we're all drawn and awed and wow, isn't it? It's good, but not realising we're sitting on our hands and just like going to a theatre week after week. And eventually we do get bored. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 talks about how Christ has given every single member of his body gifts, not for themselves, but to be able to help others. I can remember when we first got involved with New Frontiers, there were two amazing things that stand out. One was that there were apostles today and prophets today. I had a huge problem with that. I didn't quite square with my theology. I thought there were 12 plus Paul and that was it. But then suddenly having my eyes open that Rather than titles and names and famous people, this was a gift to equip the church to do its mission. and We need to receive those gifts in, in order for the church to be healthy. But the other revelation was that actually on a Sunday, anything could happen. You sat there and wondering, who was God going to speak through this week? Again, sadly, today, what I've witnessed is that one, two, three... Usually prophets, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there are other gifts we need to see released. Every Sunday, if we're going to restore the church, should be a huge adventure. Who's God going to be touching? Where's the Holy Spirit going to be moving? The final area of restoration, restoration four, is the kingdom of God. In verse 13, It says so that we until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the son of God and we become mature, attaining to the measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We, the church, we believers in the church are meant to grow up and in growing up, we become agents of a kingdom So beyond the four walls of the church, beyond the training and the equipping and the mentoring in the church, we go out as disciples and we bring kingdom transformation. What is the kingdom? It is the king's power on the king's people in the king's place. Wherever we put our foot, wherever we work, wherever we go to school, wherever we uh, visit college, where we live, are meant to be areas where the kingdom of God is expanding and extending as we bring peace as we bring love as we bring joy as we bring change where there's godlessness and so let me finish this message it's an encouragement as you go into your uh, autumn series on restoration to believe God is restoring his church in these times and to be an agent open wide open to the kingdom of God that you are someone who welcomes it We've been in Westminster Chapel for four years and it's interesting, we've got another building project underway there and one of the challenges is taking out the pews and how so many people down through so many years have had a problem with that old way of thinking and yet I know that's the tip of the iceberg for many Christians with the church. We don't really want to be More involved with the gospel. We don't really want to get involved and bring gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want to sit and just listen as passive spectators Sunday by Sunday, and that will not cut it in this new world that God is bringing upon us. God wants to restore you this morning to red hot passion for Jesus. He wants to restore a love for the gospel. He wants you to restore the gifts of the Holy Spirit to His church, and He wants to restore the kingdom of God mentality where we take the kingdom wherever we go. So may God bless you. And may God restore Citygate in these days in which we're living to this life that I'm encouraging us. God bless you.